did you want to start off by reading me the email or reading the email that you sent? Yes. Uh, hello, Stefan. I'm panicking. Um, here you talk about the man in his 40s watching television with his mother has uh, hit at something pretty deep inside me. I'm 30 and I'm just uh, really realizing that I could be late for a lot of things. I've uh, only ever had one girlfriend. I don't have any friends or any kind of support group that I can be close to or confide in. I'm earning just below uh, 20,000 pounds a year and I'm in a position where I'm not convinced that I have any marketable skills uh, to offer. I graduated from a top university seven, seven years ago with a poor grade <clears throat> and that has took me uh, five years to do. And the first job I took after university was a waitering position. After three, three years, I mo moved on to a, my, my current position and abysmal admin role. I find myself saying a lot of things, lot, a lot of really demoralizing things that my parents said to themselves. Uh, I'm too old for this. It's too late for me to start this activity or learn this skill. And uh, I'm alone. Uh, I've always thought of my, my father as, having, as being all talk and wildly overestimating his abilities. And after last night's uh, live stream, I've uh, suddenly realized that I might well be <coughs> deeply mired in the same behavior. And I'm uh, astonished and, and extremely worried how subtly I've managed to live this way and how much in plain sight it has always been all this time. I worked, I woke up this morning with a deeply depressed, sinking feeling that finally culminated in what seems to be a, a panic attack. I may have really ruined my life. I think there's a creeping and crippling nihilism that's overwhelming me. I'm fast losing hope. I'm panicking about getting to the point where I can't change course and all my demoralizing thoughts are set in stone. And I end up living the lives of my parents. If not worse, seeing how I believe I'm more capable than they are uh, and with access to greater opportunities than they had. Is it too late to be incredibly ambitious? Is it too late to, to even get started? That's a, I mean, it's a very honest email, and I, I appreciate that. And it's funny, you know, because when I'm in a conversation with a particular individual, I'm so focused on that individual, I will often forget about the ripple effects, right, of how that conversation goes out to others. Oh, it, it was, well, I, I needed, I really, I, I think I needed it. I, it, it uncorked a lot of, a lot of uh, stuff from the, from the bottle. Yeah, and, and it's funny because day-to-day -day life can be kind of hypnotic, right? I mean, you're just kind of trudging through, and, you know, like the next five minutes, the next yeah. five minutes, and every now and then I guess we need that zoom-out moment where we look at the larger picture of yeah. our lives and try and figure out where we are in the journey and, and where we could go and what kind of life we could have and all of that. So um, I'm, I guess I'm glad. Now, w were you listening to the live stream last night or did you? Yeah, because oh, yeah, 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 it hasn't yeah, even yeah. gone out yet, right? Okay. And yeah, yeah, sure. was there a particular phrase or moment? Like did, it, did, the, did the anxiety grow or did it just like boom? Oh, it was, uh, so I went, I went to sleep th that night, that same night, and I, I woke, so it was, it happened around, uh, the, the live stream took place at around 2 a.m. And uh, right after it, I, I went back to, I went, went to bed and, well, I tried to, but it took me a, a little while. And then when I woke up, I, I woke up, I, I kind of, I, I was just, um, I think it took me a while to sleep because I was a bit depressed and I got, got about five hours of sleep. And then 
And when I woke up, I, I, I just had a quite a just a, I just felt depressed, so so depressed. And and well, and, and during the live stream, there was one 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 part when uh, you said, should I should I uh, mention the the part in the live stream? Oh yeah, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, sure. So, uh, um, uh, it, it was when you. You, you talked about how you were in the music concert and you 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 looked to your to the girlfriend and you you were having I guess issues with the girlfriend before this concert and um, you turned to her and you and she was she was mothering you she was complaining complaining to you and, and then you turned around and you said um, if I'm so wrong um, why am I successful and you're not and it was such a simple simple question it was such a yeah, it was a, it was such a simple question, and the day the next day, I I woke up so depressed and anxious, and and I thought more about that that uh, that that question and about how why it struck me so much, and um, I I just realized that uh, it was uh, the last time I saw my father, the last time I saw my father before that that last time I saw saw him, I I had it had been seven years um, since I had last saw uh, seen him before that. And, um, and when I, when I, that's so the last time I saw him, I, he was, he was talking to me about how smart he is and, and, um, and he, he's divorced from my, from my mother. And, um, he was talking about how smart he is, how he's managed to pick himself back up again. And, but he, he, um, he's, uh, he, 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 I think he, he's, he's barely, he's not, he's kind of, he's not doing so well in his, in his own life. And he's, uh, and, uh, and so I, I, I kind of asked the same question when I, when he, when he was talking about how smart he was, I, 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 uh, I asked him basically that it's not, I'm not as explicit as that, as you put it in the live stream, but I asked that same question, I guess, uh, at least uh, subconsciously. And then I, and, and, but in asking that question, I, I, I find myself, um, right now asking myself the same question about how I've led my own life. Right. Right. No, I, I get that. I mean, I've known a number of people, some people I know who've, who've definitely been successful, relatively successful. I, I don't really view academia as being very successful when it comes to intellectual pursuits, but, you know, at least they got that far. But the people, some of the people I knew who considered themselves very intelligent and very talented always have this uneasy relationship with the market. Uh, because, you know, I mean, look, it's not like material money success is the only measure. Of course not, right? But it's not insignificant. And if you do want to make a change in the world or you do want to have an impact in the world, you do have to find some way of getting your ideas across. And so people do have this uneasy relationship with the market because we are all such treasures to ourselves. And then we go out into the market and... Uh, we put it to the test, right? It's like dating, right? Like, I mean, I remember uh, I would always start at the top, you know, the sort of alpha females, and kind of work my way from there. And, you know, sometimes I'd get the top tier women to go out with me, sometimes I wouldn't. But you just aim at the top, and then, you know, you kind of work your way down, I think, to see where you land. And then with your career, it's different, right? I mean, you get married, you stay married, hopefully. But with your career, it's kind of different because you kind of aim. I mean, it's hard. To, you don't aim at the top like I'm going to be a CEO and then work my way down. I guess you can start your own company or whatever. But you do have to figure out how much value you can bring to the market. And yeah, I know people are confused and propagandized and 
not too smart sometimes, and the market's kind of corrupt. I get all of that, but it's still a pretty free market, particularly out here on the internet and so on. So the people who have very high estimations of their own intellectual abilities, uh, which I think you do and, and your father does and my friend or two or three did or do, it's really tough to put that to the test. You know, it's all, it's all well and good to sing to yourself in the shower. You know, how, does, how do you fare at karaoke? How do you fare, you know, whatever it is you want to do with regards to, you know, singing or whatever it's going to be. And the higher your ambition, the more the world, would, a lot of the world will try to convince you that you're absolutely, completely and totally wrong because the world loves and hates ambitious people, right? <laughs> particularly in the realm of philosophy, but I don't want to get too much into my stuff because I want to talk about your stuff. So uh, sure. I have one friend of mine, super smart in math, in particular, math and physics, and he had such high estimates of his own abilities. And, and I think intellectually he was right because, you know, he was the kind of guy who got bonus marks every time he turned into math problem and, uh, you know, could kind of half doze through the class. And if the teacher said, can you solve this problem? He'd be up and, yep, here we go, <laughs> right? Solve the problem on the board without even barely a glance. He had a really, really great instinct for math. And he ended up going to university, taking a math and physics double major, which was mad, I thought, really ambitious. And it wasn't the intellectual issues, I think, that he had problems with. I mean, he had uh, an intestinal ailment that was quite challenging, and that obviously had a big effect, but it was stress-related as well. And I think it was the stress uh, that caused him, like, it's one thing to be the smartest kid in your local high school, but then to go among the very smartest kids and attempt to compete with them, it's, it's a challenge. Like, if you've, if you've really founded your uh, self-esteem or self-worth on being the smartest around, then you may be limited in your ability to go to smarter and smarter uh, people. And like when I went to theater school, I was, you know, one of the best actors in the university and I was always in demand for the lead roles and all that. And then when I went to, uh, uh, when I went to uh, the acting school, yeah, there were some actors who were better. <laughs> There's no question. And some of those actors have gone on to have really good careers and, and do great work. And I've seen some of them on stage and it's really neat and I wish them the best. It wasn't the life for me, but it is one of these things where you say, okay, if, as I sort of become, if I'm a big fish in a little pond, how big am I in a big pond, right? And I think for my friend who did the math and physics double major, it became uh, too much of a challenge to deal with the reorientation of, well, I was the smartest kid in my high school, but man, now I'm here among the world's best and I'm <laughs> barely keeping up. And he did also have a legitimate grievance, I think, because, I'm sorry, this sounds kind of detailed, but I think it goes into what, what you're working with, because, uh, you know, they had, um, they, uh, they had problems with grades, right? Uh, grades. So in university, people don't mind being graded up, but they never want to be graded down, right? And, and most people will end up grading to a curve, right? So everyone's got to get 75 or 70 or 80 or whatever it is. The, uh, the median in, in the class. And so what would happen is the tests would be ridiculously hard and then people would get graded up, right? So you'd, you'd get 30% on a test and you'd end up with like an 80. 
And he was like, that's crazy. This, <laughs> it's no way to teach, right? There's no way. And listen, I, I kind of get where he's coming from. I think the test should be somewhat objective. But he was not able to adapt himself to that environment and ended up bombing out of school, partly because of medical issues and I think to some degree because of stress and all of that. So the collision between, I don't want to say vanity, because confidence in your abilities is not vanity. Vanity is when you are confident, but you don't want to put it to the test. That's That to me is the real, uh, that's where the danger comes in, right? So if you have, listen, if you're listening to this show, as I've said, I'm always going to grant people high IQ and, and high capacities and high abilities uh, to listen to this show. I'm not that entertaining, so it's got to be something in the content that speaks to you. But, but the big challenge is when you try to put it to the test and you say, okay, well, I'm smart, so let me go and say smart things on the internet or let me go write a blog or let me go start a company or let me, whatever it's going to be, uh, enter into debates or whatever. Have you had that issue where you have an estimation of your own abilities and then, okay, let's try and put it to the test and see what happens. How does that feel? I, you know, I think you touched on something really, really accurate. You, I think you, you hit the nail in the head, on the head somewhere. I've, well, I, I've been, I've been trying to teach myself. Um, so I, I, I said I, I graduated seven years ago with, with a master, well, I, I didn't say what, what kind of degree. I had graduated with a master's degree and I, um, it took me five years to graduate. And um, ever since I... No, sorry, that's, to, just, that's just one extra year though, right? But two, sorry, two. Well, no, no, it, it was a, sorry, it was a master's degree. It was a, it was a M MSc uh, course, but it was downgraded to B BSc, a bachelor's. And, and, and so it's, it was it was it was downgraded to a three year course from a four year course. Oh, so originally it was supposed to be a four year course that included yep. a yep. master's degree, but you yep. or you downgraded it, or they downgraded you? Was they that right? Uh, the, the university did. And that was because your marks weren't up to scratch. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Okay, and so you ended up coming out with a uh, a BSc, right? Yeah, that's right. And what happened for you? in school relative to what your ambitions were? I, when, when I first got into, into university, I was I was really expecting myself to, to get high marks. And uh, I, uh, I uh, well, it, 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 there's a long story behind it. Uh, if I just touch on the, the first year of university, I, I was in a, I think I was in a hell of a, a, hell of a place, a pretty depressing place, I think. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, well, um, so I, I didn't make the grade. I, I, I think I tried really hard in the first year and then towards the end, I, I, I thought I'm slipping and I, and I'm not meeting my own expectations. And so I I, I started really procrastinating. Well, the boy, you can do that in university, eh? <laughs> you really, really, I mean, I remember, uh, one one year of university, I starred in the play Macbeth. I did a whole bunch of other plays. I was working on writing my own plays, and and yeah, I uh, I really really began to slip behind, and it took a huge amount of catch up uh, to. Uh, and I was still up until I don't know years, a couple of maybe ten years ago. I was still having dreams about. I've taken some course. I know I've got some reading to do. I can't remember where it is, <laughs> and I would just distract myself and 
So yeah, it is really easy to procrastinate in school. And that's, that's what gets a lot of people, right? Yeah, yeah. I think mine was particularly chronic. It, got, it, it just got worse uh, throughout the years. I think I, my, my grades really started picking up only maybe a, maybe when I uh, did my uh, second year, I think. Yeah, second year. And then, and then I did really, I, I did a really good third year. I got a couple of, so it, the best grade you can get in, you know, I'm talking about the, the, in Britain here, uh, the UK, and, and uh, the best grade would be a first class degree and a, a second grade would be a, a 2-1. So I got, I got two ones again, a couple of courses in, in the third year. And I was, I guess I was really picking things up, but then overall I just wasn't doing very well. Wait, so, uh, and, and, but after you had improved your marks, that's when the university said, we're going to downgrade you? No, that, that, was, that was long. I mean, that was after the first year. Oh, that after was, the first uh, year. Okay, yeah. they said, listen, this isn't for you. And was there any chance to recover that? Was there like a wait and see, or, or it was like, nope, you, you're going down to the BSc? I, that, there was a, I think there was an, an, an appeal, but, an appeal, but uh, nothing. I can't remember anything else aside from that. Were your fam- was your family involved in this particular process? Did they chat with you? Did they ask you how things were going? Did they make suggestions? No. Or? No, no, none of that. No, no. I, they were. I think they were. When I was, I was uh, to to put to give a provide more of a, a backstory about my history. I I was. I wasn't always in top schools. I was in a pretty bad school during my secondary school years. So that would be, I think, junior years in high school or something in, in North America. Uh, and I, I was in a pretty, pretty dangerous, um, feral school, and, and there were fights every reason. There were, it was, it was really, it was really, there was like gangsterism and all that stuff. It was, it was horrible. And then, but then I, I worked really hard. I, I spent five years in that school, and then I worked very hard. It, it, I think, uh, in, in the last three years, and then, and then I got myself into a pretty, a top grammar school. A, a top grammar school, and then, uh, but then. It's like it's like when you you talked about how uh, about exploring the reasons why you moved to to Canada at the age of thirteen, I believe. Is that correct? Uh, Eleven, but yeah, go ahead. Eleven, 11 yeah, sure, sure, yes. And and then you 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 try and you try to uh, uncover the motivations behind the move. And and I think my parents really started to when I got when I started it when I began at that grammar school, the things really took a turn for the worst uh, the relationship between between my parents and they they were having rows and i think it, i i had a and and so i the grammar i spent two years in that grammar school before university uh it's called sixth form in, in the uk um so that would be years uh 16 to 18 and um i think it was in my in my first year i i was Two weeks away from my Oxford University interview, and then I, oh, uh, my parents got got, got really crazy. Uh, like um, my my mother, oh yeah, my my mother was. I think I was the only one at, at home. Um, my, my mother was was just drunk off her. She couldn't stand. She had to. She had to prop her head on on the wall, and she had her. She, she it was a it was the police that brought her back. Uh, she was she was out on the streets drunk, and then she, she the police brought her back. She 
and then and then I, I saw my mother. She was she was popping her head on on the wall, and, and then out came my my brother as well. So my brother came along, I, so my brother had to witness all that. My younger brother, and and then I think I think my my like I said, I was I was the only one at home. So and and so my uh, so for that night when my my mother came back, um, um, I had to I had to watch her throw up. And and then the next day, I think my father my father returned. I, th- I think there was something about I think my my sister arrived home soon after my my. Um, I I'm sorry, I'm I'm throwing a lot of information at you. No, I'm following. Go ahead. Okay, sure. Okay, so my my sister my sister arrived soon afterwards. Uh, she was in a night in in a, in a nightgown, uh, but I don't I don't think anything happened to her. Uh, but. But my my father, I think, arrived the next day or the day after that, and something was said about two guys stomping on his head or something like that. But he was drunk as well. No, your and father so got was, into that kind of fight. I don't think he fought. I don't think he fought, he fought back. But he was. I think he was too drunk to fight back. And I think he was on the ground, and then and then one of the guys uh, stomped on his head or something. But he didn't. He looked. He looked fine when he when he arrived home. But but I I remember that being quite an important. Uh, that was when I think that was. I think they they started divorce proceedings after that or something like that. No, I think I think they separated. They lived in separate places. And then and so that that's that really characterised the the two years. And then and then when I when I started university, it had all, all all this residual. I was expecting to, I wanted to really get into Oxford, but and I was pretty damn close as well. But but you know I I so I carried all all the shame about about what was happening at home. And my um, my faltering uh, academic uh, my faltering academic uh, uh, life or, or career, and so my first year wasn't it wasn't I didn't. Uh, oh, sorry, sorry to interrupt, but uh, yeah. I mean you're, you're Asian, right? So or East Asian? Yes. Is, yeah. Do you get? Yeah. Did, I don't know if this occurs in the UK where East Asians have their university marks downgraded. Oh oh well, I I've not really thought about that. Uh, I, I know really it happens in that. certain places uh, in in the states. Yeah, uh, and I was just wondering if you were you were close, and I'm just wondering if they monkey around with the scores of various ethnicities in an attempt to gain some sort of equality. But anyway, if you don't know, I was just just kind of curious. So please continue. I, well, I, I I say I say I was close because I generally they they uh, tell people to go back home after the interview process. So I I spent I think I spent two or three days in in, in Oxford University going through the interview process. It was. And I and you know with, with with what happened two weeks before and and I I felt quite quite alone. I felt quite quite alone in in the uh, in the university and during the interview process. And then I think they, they usually send people home after five interviews. I got I got about six. I got to six, so I think I was pretty pretty close. So you, I mean, given how upset you were about what was happening at home, yeah. you must be pretty good at that kind of dissociating and just getting on with things. Oh, you could say so. Yeah, you could say so. Right. Okay. And was your father okay? I mean, a stomp to the head could be pretty bad. He didn't speak very much of it after that. I I don't remember him really. I think it might have just been a story, but but that's 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 the only thing I've, I I heard about my, my my father, about what happened to him when he was out drunk that night. And did your parents have a long history with drinking? Oh, 
my, my father especially yes uh my my mother uh she's never been she she gets drunk pretty easily but i've seen her drunk a couple but not that drunk not not as drunk as that night as she was that night and did it go back uh, i guess was it did it get worse or was it part of your early childhood but not as bad or how was that um i know my my father he's he's always he's almost uh well many many nights i've seen him leave uh, empty bottles behind um he, he was he's quite he, he's the drink he's i think he's mostly the drinker in the household um yeah i i might have just normalized it. i think it was pretty normal to me to see my my father keep drinking downing bottles of beer um uh every night he was not always why, drunk, do you know why he drank he did he did actually he, when I, the last time i saw him he did say he did say when i when i told him that i uh i don't drink I, he he offered me champagne i told him i don't drink and then he said uh everyone he knows drinks i don't know how you can go through go through like go go through life without drinking uh, you you have to drink is what he said so he i think he has a strong attachment to drinking um well no was, he's got i mean technically it would be because he has crap friends sure so yeah. because he has crappy friends he can't stand them sober that's good yeah. and they can't stand him sober i mean this is just the, it's a kind of vortex or a gravity well that you get caught in socially if you have friends who drink who do drugs who you know do crazy stuff then yes. if Fine. they're around and you're the only person not drinking it, they look completely retarded to you right i mean just look stupid yeah. and wasty right it's a huge waste of time money health energy resources and all that but so what happens is if you are trapped in this underworld of dysfunctional people you all kind of hate each other and the only way yeah. you can pretend to stand each other is by drinking and uh, yeah. if, if everyone's drinking and you're not well uh, it all gets revealed to you and you then then you got to start climbing up and then if you start climbing up like you're trying to climb out of that well uh, you know everybody's going to attack you oh you're too good for us oh you don't drink anymore oh what are you some kind of prude or you should loosen up or relax you know all of this general cry of relax that people have when they want you to dissolve your own integrity so i would imagine it's social that way yeah i understand yeah yeah, yeah i think i think you're right um yeah i don't remember him surrounding himself with many but he he's always when when he was with my my mother he, he'd go out and we wouldn't know about it so i'm guessing he would he would very much uh, do as as you as you described so I, I mean, yeah yeah it's uh it's being it's going going down low going to the down and outs right it's uh it's pretty it's pretty tragic okay yeah, yeah. so did your parents split up before I, I think you asked a different question. I don't think I, I don't know whether I've answered it. I think I moved into my father, but yeah, my my, my yeah, but yeah, my my parents they they've split up but after the I, after the stomp to the head incident. I think you mentioned that. I just wanted to make sure I got the timeline down. Yeah, yeah, sure. I, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, right. so then you graduate, and then you decide to get a job as a waiter. Yeah. So tell okay. me, uh, tell me about that. Well, I was, I was of the belief that there wouldn't be an employer. Well, I, I come from, I, so that the the university 
that I graduated from, they they uh, they're very close to they 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 uh, they are very close to the corporate world. They it was a uh, and and people would be doing like uh, internships uh, when they're in their second third years, and I missed all that. I I see. I okay okay yeah. So so I I really wanted to become a mathematics professor. I saw myself as sort of like a, an academic or more more fundament, fundamentally than that an intellectual and i i didn't i didn't bother with the internships i got i thought part of part, i think part of the reasons why i got such bad grades was because i after the first year i um i sort of i wanted to i, I chose more complex courses i thought i i'd uh, if i if i do well in these more complex courses i i make up for the the uh, bad performance in the first year and i and then that i did badly in the second year and i thought I do all the complicated courses in the third year and make to make up for the second and first year and then and then you know, and uh, but um, so it's kind of like it's, it's kind of like me playing Doom. I can't finish a level, so I up the difficulty. Hmm. <laughs> all right. <laughs> but no, this is it's, it's what's it's what they call a hail mary pass. You know, like at the end of a football game, you just throw something in the hope that it gets somewhere. And if you're doing badly on the medium courses, then I mean, I can certainly understand the strategy. Because then you could sit down and say, hey, look, you know, clearly I wasn't up to my earlier abilities, but I'm obviously doing well now because look at me. I, I took all these complex courses and did really well. So, yeah, I, I, can, yeah. I can understand that. It's, it's risky, right? Obviously, but oh, I can yeah, understand yeah. Well, I look, at, look, look back now and think, yeah, yeah it's was, it was pretty risky. You know, and knowing that I had a, such a bad uh, problem with uh, procrastination, you know. Uh, but so, yeah, so I, did you, but, so, sorry to interrupt, did you not yeah. enjoy... The work was that was that one of the major issues. I think, think I think by that point I was really also overcome with pressure and and trying to meet deadlines and and trying trying to be be prepared for all these tests. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think by that time I, it's what you said in a, in a recent uh, live stream. You know, if you if you if you aim for the other the artificial goals, you know, pursuit of status, money, and and uh, and so on. Then you might you 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 risk losing that uh, innate cre- cre- uh, creativity and 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 uh, the the love for the for the uh, pursuit in itself. Yeah. Do you know right. what I mean? Right. I mean, I had this high school in high school. I had a mathematics teacher who talked about how he would, you know, pick up a, uh, a piece of paper and he just work on some quadratic equations after dinner for fun. Right now. When it came to computer programming, I would do that for sure. I, I loved it. It was fascinating. But I would never imagine doing that with quadratic equations or whatever it was that he was, uh, you know, he was, I don't know, maybe he idly was working on Fermat's last theorem before it was <laughs> solved or whatever. But um, so there are some people, it's like, yeah, just sit there and work on some math problems for fun. And I'd be like, oh, that's <laughs> incomprehensible to me. But of course, in the same way, other people would look at me and say, what, you get up at six in the morning to work on a screensaver on your Atari 800? It's like, what are you, crazy? <laughs> they wouldn't understand that either. And that's just the giant diversity of, of human impulses or, or desires. But did you have that love of math before you went to uni? Uh, no, no, nothing. Uh, no. So what the hell were you doing there? I guess um, there might be a. I think I think I think it's it was due to um, momentum. 
Um, so, um, like you were kind of good at this stuff in high school, and that's right. Yeah, yeah. So, so there's a maybe there's an there's also an interesting backstory to this. Um, I was never, I was before the period I spent in grammar school. I was never a very good student. I was uh, I was quite a mediocre student. I think until well, it was a bloody war zone, right? <sighs> and how the hell well, are you supposed to be a good student with like criminals roaming the hallway? Oh right? yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. It, well, not just that. I had you know my my father was also physically abusive, so it, I had to go home. So that when you talked about the dissoci- the thing thing about dissociation, yeah, it, it, I think I I had a lot, of, a lot, quite a lot of that going on. I mean, I remember. I even remember the guy's name now to this day, you know, like almost 40 years later. But um, this guy, yeah, I was, in a, I was in a bowling alley and I was playing Defender. I was doing really well. Some kid wanted to play it, unplugged the machine, and I called him a jerk for doing so, right? And I guess he ran to his big, scary, psycho brother. And big, scary, psycho brother um cornered me in school and like this is the age like he was like 16 i was like 12 or something and you know that's like this it's night and day like it's child versus adult right there was no possibility of having any kind of fight not that i really would have done it either way but he was like you're dead <laughs> you know you, you I, th- I think his brother had said that i'd hit the brother or something like that so uh, this guy was just spoiling for a fight, and I was like, no, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't say any of that. <laughs> just told him he was a jerk for unplugging my computer game. Well, that's not what he says, and I choose to believe my brother over you. Anyway, so I don't know, for maybe a week, I'm sure you've had that experience too, if you've been targeted by a bully for, I don't know, like a week, you, uh, you just keep your eyes, you keep your head on a swivel, as Dan Bongino says, right? You just keep looking around, you make sure you don't drop your guard. You make sure you don't end up in the washroom alone. You, uh, you dart back, out yeah. after school. You go places. And I think only one time I was going up the stairs. He was coming down, and he punched me in the shoulder. And it didn't, didn't really hurt. But um, that was, I think, the only time in school when I was, like, alarmed about fire. Well, there was one other time. But it doesn't really matter. So, but the point is that it's really tough to concentrate. I remember uh, sitting... Um, Listening to Queen's, uh, I guess the first song they did, which didn't have harmonies really in it, uh, Spread Your Wings. And I was playing harmonica, and I was figuring out how to play taps. You know, dun, 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 dun. this sort of boot heel death music. And I just remember, you know, there was no one to go to. There was no one to help solve the problem. It was all on my little shoulders to try and figure out how to deal with this stuff. And strangely enough, many years later, not many years later, maybe uh, six years later, I ran into him uh, visiting a friend and didn't remember me at all. Of course, I changed a lot since then. I started to work out. Um, or maybe he just pretended he didn't remember me at all. And he seemed like an okay guy. So, you know, you never know what kind of pressures are. But, I mean, I just remember that week, and it all just kind of faded away and died down. Uh, and... I just remember that week, like, I mean, it's really tough to concentrate when you are in, in, in that kind of uh, fear, right? Yeah. Yeah. There was a thing back, back when I was in, in uh, secondary school, there was a thing called happy slapping. So, um, you know, you could be walking around a corner and then if, the, if there were a gang, if you, if you weren't watching yourself and there were a gang behind you w- 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 about to 
about to do a happy slap, what that that would involve is uh, slapping the person from behind and filming it. So there was that. Uh, Yeah, of course, because, you know, when I was a kid, there was no social media, no cell phones and, you know, no cameras really in school. But that's a whole new thing now, right? Yeah, yeah. Right, right. And it lives forever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and people get to shame... People get to shame the, the victim, and or well, if they're, if they're really toxic. Do you think your parents? I mean, did they know about this violence that you were exposed to? I think I think they had a good idea. <laughs> I, I can't I can't imagine them not not having an idea. But I think the way the way they uh, so there's an even further backstory than this, and um, so um. The way my my mother has had always had dealt with uh, bullying, me being bullied in school, uh, is to well, I think my actually my I think my first memory of uh, of abuse from my parents involved uh, involved my getting my being bullied in school and then well getting kind of I think getting beat up and then coming home, telling my mother and, and then my mother denying my my experiences my and and uh, and then you know kind of berating me and shouting me shouting at me and 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 uh and then saying saying that i i i was i was the one busy messing around messing the other person around and and, and i i even got even got hit well i'm very sorry about that i mean i never i never got hit other than once or twice in the shoulder once in the belly but i'm sorry about that that's really i mean especially hitting around the face i mean it's uh it is specifically designed to humiliate, and of course, it can be very damaging. Like oh no, no, I was, I was. Yeah, you were no, hit. No, 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 no. With the bullying, the bullying that took place. No, no, I. There was a couple of incidences. What one where I fell? Well, I think I was pushed over, and I broke my arm. I had a. I needed a. Um, can't remember what it's called. A brace or something like that. Oh, a cast. Uh, yeah, a cast. That, that's yeah. it. And and. And the second time was when I, I I got kicked. I think I got I think kicked kicked in the, in the I got kicked in the, in the body, punched kicked in, in the body. What happened not, not, uh, with the with the arm breaking? Did you go downstairs or something? It was on the on the playground and on concrete, and uh, I, I think I was just pushed really hard, and and I, I landed awkwardly. I think I, it was quite a long time ago. Oh yeah, obviously. Uh, but you know, I saw I I, I, saw, I sort of fell. Uh, I must have fell awkwardly, but I don't. I can't remember the exact detail. Well, I can't remember much. How old from were you? The incident. I was maybe uh, six or seven, six or seven or eight. And was it a twist break? Was it a bad break, or was it relatively easy to to heal? It wasn't a bad break. No, I, I think it took maybe a couple of weeks. It wasn't a bad break. I don't remember it being painful a bad as break. hell, though, right? Especially when you're sleeping. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I can't remember much from, from that period. But I remember... No, it's something, it's something Michael Malice has said uh, that uh, is a very astute observation, in my opinion, oh, yeah, which is, yeah. you know, that that's government schools are the places where most people experience the, yeah. the institutionalized violence, like uh, whether it's from the teachers. Uh, certainly for me, it was like canings and stuff like that. But uh, it's the place where people are... Most exposed to violence, I guess you could say, over the course of their yes. lives. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, I, I've seen that tweet. Yeah, it was a big, uh, yeah, as you say, it's a, it was a powerful, powerful tweet, powerful observation. Yeah. Right. Okay, so you didn't have all of the um, 
internships and all that set up, right? And then you graduate, and I guess with the master's in math... No, bachelor's. Sorry, bachelor's. uh, Sorry, right. With the bachelor's in math, you don't... like. If you sort of go back in time and say to yourself, like, what would you do with the bachelor's in math? Because bachelor's is one of these kinds of degrees that it puts you above the norm but below the top. It's sure. one of these mid-level sandwich degrees. I, I mean, I well, remember I, talking once in a coffee shop with a woman who was, you know, she's like, I have a bachelor's degree in psychology. I'm like, oh, what can you do with that? She's like, you know what? I actually kind of found out. Not much at all. Can you be a psychologist? <laughs> no. Uh, for that, you need, I guess, back then, maybe you needed a master's. Now, I think you need a doctorate, and you need your years of being mentored and all that kind of stuff. So, um, it's one, like, you know, you got a, a bachelor's degree in biology. What do you do with that? Don't know, <laughs> right? And math is a little different, I suppose, because you can take those skills, and you can go and work for Wall Street, yeah. uh, or the equivalent of Wall Street in, in the UK or whatever. You can start working on financial instruments, and, you know, mathematics fairly high in demand in if you have computer skills or even if you're just good at math, um, financial companies would be interested. But I guess that's the question. Like, what do you do with the with the BSc? Uh, it, well, it was uh, the grade I got was was the grade above one above pass. So it was it wasn't. So, so people... you just barely cleared the trees, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. And that's because I, you kept taking harder and harder courses. Yeah. So I guess um, odds are not your specialty in math. Well, I was never very good at stats. Uh, applied math. Oh, yeah, yeah, I get it. I, get it. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're joking because, you know, what else are you going to do, right? Yeah, yeah, right. sure, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I still sympathize just so, you know, I'm not joking at your expense. I'm just like, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> right. Now, Wait. yeah, go ahead. Well, you touched upon something that was... Part of, well, grounded in reality, I've, I've never really stats wasn't my strong suit. Right, right. What was your strong suit? Pure maths. Uh, uh, pure maths. Uh, abstract al- abstract algebra, group theory. Uh, um, uh, and now there were, there were a couple of courses in ma- on mathematical analysis. I was quite good at that. Uh, just basically just pure mathematics, not, not, nothing really... Nothing that touches, the like pure Platonism, Pl- pure, pure Platonism, nothing that actually touches the world, right? <laughs> Imaginary yeah, yeah, numbers maybe, maybe, are my friends. <laughs> yeah, okay. Maybe abstract math, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay, got it. Got it. So you graduate, was it going to be too humiliating to try and get a job, do you think? Like you'd go there and say, oh, this is not up to scratch, young man. Uh, get get a, get a job where? As in in well, in, in something to do with maths, right? I mean, uh-huh. you know, you say, oh, I've got a BSc yeah. uh, in in maths, and so you know that obviously demonstrates a certain amount of intelligence and uh, a certain amount of uh, you know capacity to complete complete something and all. But why was there nothing that you wanted to bring the math to, or nothing that you wanted to do with that degree from a money making standpoint? I, yeah, I think I think I was just too much in the ab- ab- abstract realm, and uh, you know, I, I uh, sort of, I, I, mean, I think I was stuck on still seeing myself as a mathematics professor. I, um, uh, yeah, I, I didn't, uh, I wasn't, 
I think maybe, and I was, I think I was, I wouldn't say I was, I was liberal, but I had, I guess I was still kind of propagandizing and thinking. Oh, like I don't want to have anything to do with that. The market. market. Yeah. 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 Things like that. Yeah. I was, I was kind of too much of a, I guess a a dreamer you could say. And and I really wanted to just, just become a, a mathematics professor and deal with the intellectual stuff and not with the, uh, well, not with the, the, the market. Well, I mean, and to me, the thirst for the abstract realm comes out of a recoil from the yeah. brutalized physical realm. I mean, yeah. to me, your focus on abstract mathematics is directly correlated to the brutality that you experienced as a child in your family and in school and you know, probably in other places as well, right? So why do we want yeah. to yeah. escape to the world of platonic forms, right? I mean, it was the same thing with me with Dungeons and Dragons. Like, why did I want to escape to this world where, you know, will had uh, meaning, choices had consequences, you could uh, fight your way or puzzle your way through things, and you weren't blocked by institutionalized whatever. Yes. And the fantasy world is the scar tissue of the wounding of the real, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is why, you know, Plato had just, he had a much worse childhood than Aristotle. I'm quite convinced of that, um, especially given his uh, predilections for oh, yeah. sexual behavior. But so the, the abstract realm is of great comfort because in the abstract realm, uh, things are controllable by thought, whereas in the real world, uh, things are not controllable by thought. That's always the great challenge, right? In, in the abstract realm, you can move things around. You know, if I'm writing a novel, I can have the characters do just about anything, and it's my world to take care of. And, you know, there's certain rules I have to follow, but there's a lot that I can do in that realm, in that world. And, you know, I can write a book called Universally Preferable Behavior, but that's different from going door to door and trying to stop people from doing violent things. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's... Yeah. So the abstract realm is... is it's a beautiful realm, and it's very important and well, essential, really. But the relationship between the mind and the body, as I've sort of been talking about recently, the relationship between the abstracts and the real, in general, the more brutal the real, the more seductive the abstract realm is. And so for you to take the abstract realm and apply it to mere mortal reality would be kind of to run in the opposite direction of what it's for, which is a sanctuary from violence. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. It really does make sense. Yes. Now, when you decided to do the waitering thing, was your thought... What was your thought about it? Because, you know, everybody who takes a job has some idea about it. Oh, this is going to be a temporary thing, or this is what I'm going to do, or whatever it is. That's it. I I think I I thought to myself, I... I'm going to spend some time trying, just trying to figure out what's going on, what, what I want to do with myself, and and um, and that this is just a humbling experience because I I, I come that that was my first um, experience with work, we're having a job. So it, so it, I thought to myself, this is just going to be a maybe I need this, maybe maybe, maybe that's because I missed it. Miss what? I missed having a work experience before because I think, yeah, one of the complications about uh, finding a job after graduation was that I had no, a lot of these job positions required experience, internships, and I had no job experience and I had, you know, I just had no, I, 
I I, I didn't ha- I had a I had that just just that one just that degree and whereas maybe everybody else had a had some some at least some kind of work experience or some at least a degree in a paper route right yeah yeah things like that yeah yeah, yeah. right yeah. okay so you got the job as a waiter and did they know did your hiring manager know or the manager know that you had this uh, BSc yeah yeah hmm. yeah they were taking anybody they were they, they were there were a lot of uh, European students and people from new, well, just new arrivals into into Britain, immigrants. Were you uh, graduating in an economic downtime? Uh, you, you know what? Uh, like uh, in the business cycle, were you? Was it an up yeah, or down? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I th- maybe it was. Maybe I could have been. Uh, I don't know, but I don't remember. That's fine. I was just curious if that was yeah. you know because that can that can make a big difference. Uh, it might have been around 2008. It could have been around 2000, oh, yeah, 2008, well, 2007. Yeah, yeah. Pretty yeah. bad, right? I mean, there was yeah, a whole economic turndown, uh, not just in the US, but of course it affected the world. So that's just kind of a one, two. It's a double no, one. No, sorry, right? seven years ago would, would have been 2013. So no, no, no never mind. Sorry. No, okay. sorry. Never mind. Yeah, yeah, All right. Sorry. Got it. Sorry. No problem. Yeah, yeah. Now, how long did you work at the waitering job? Uh, uh, three years. Wow. And then? And then my current role. Uh, uh, as an as a back office in in a company, a big company. Sorry, company. Uh, what was your phrase there? I, I heard I could role, but I'm sure that that's not what you said. An, an admin role. Oh, you got an admin role. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Now, my do you mean role. like secretarial, yeah. like answering phones and scheduling meetings and arranging flights and stuff like that, or something else? Uh, there's a lot of processing payments involved. Right. It's okay. uh, the back office of a financial company. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And do they know you have a master's? Oh, sorry, I keep I keep uh, getting that wrong. The, the BSc in math. Yeah, yeah, right. And has there any been ever been anyone who sat down and said, uh, you know, I feel like you're being a smidge underutilized here? There are people who who, who have said, uh, you you don't belong here and you you should be doing something better. But no, but not a manager. Right. That's just like coworkers. Yeah. That's right. Right. And how long have you been working there? I can, I'm sure I could do the math, but it's not my specialty. I'm on to my fourth year. Right. Yeah. Right. And is there uh, any capacity for progress in the job or moving up? Or it's a dead end job. It's uh, no. I, I, well, there, there is. It, there, it's a possibility, but it, it takes it. It takes um, quite a long time. And right. for not much as well, not not not, not much uh, not much of a bump in salary. Right. Okay. Okay. And when I was talking last night, it's so hard to get this kind of direct feedback, which is great. But when I was talking last night, the panic that you had was the panic, I suppose, of time, right? Of time passing. It, well, is it? It's, it's, I think the panic, the panic comes in in, in sort of many many layers, and, and the the panic came. I think it took me overnight to process it, and then yeah. yeah. So um, so I think, the, but the panic, I can I can see it from different several different perspectives. It's uh, one would be uh, the fact that I I I was repeating uh, the way my father led his life. Which I had, which I was so unaware of. I thought I thought I was going the opposite direction, but I, 
in in many ways I, I I'm not and uh, and yeah a, a strong element of it was was the passing of time uh, the, the fact that I've that I see myself as having not applied myself better during my 20s right so you're out of school uh, seven years or so is that right yes okay so the, the good news is it's not too late that's the good news that's right. why. So, yeah, that's why. The no, part of the panic maybe is that is that they, part of the panic. I think is that uh, that you know that there's a chance, there's a chance, and I might might waste it. Right now, yeah. generally, if if you did, if it was too late, you wouldn't feel panic. Yes, yes. If that makes sense. That's such a great point you made. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I think we did that in the in the DMs, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. if if it was too late, you wouldn't feel panic. You'd feel nihilism you might feel rage you might feel whatever right but but it would not feel or depression i suppose but the panic is it's not too late and it's sort of like if you're i don't know you're stuck in some snow cave luke skywalker style and you're freezing to death uh, the moment you start to really feel your limbs go numb and you can still survive or still make a go for it somewhere you'll get up and you'll struggle for it or whatever but you know when it's really creeping along and you don't really have any chance you just start to feel warm and you go to sleep, right? So the panic is, is good, right? Panic is, is, means there's life in there and there's possibility in there, and that's, that's great. I mean, good, good for you for having the panic and also for having the wisdom to not, you know, because a lot of people just talk themselves out of this panic, right? Yeah, yeah. You I know, couldn't, I, I just simply couldn't. <laughs> no, it's, it's too big, but that's good. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. you know, that's... that's oh, no. That's you know, I, thank, I know. Thank your panic, right? Yeah, yeah, no. I, I, I knew, I knew I had to, I had to experience it. I knew it. I just, I had to, I had to go through this. I knew it. And unlike, I should also say, unlike other, I had so I had a like a psychological crisis when I, I think when I, after my first year, and then after right after I graduated, I had a, such a psychological crisis in, in, on uh, during both moments. And and uh, there were there, there was back then there was feelings of you know, ending ending it, you know. But oh, you had suicidal this, thoughts, right? Yeah, that's right. That, right. That's it. Yeah, uh, but on this occasion, it, I mean, the, the the crisis is is more. I would say more, even more massive because because of, you know, I'm I'm seven years older and so on. But I I I was very resolute in in saying to myself, I'm going to fight through this. Well, yes, and I I think you know to pat myself on the back just a tiny bit, I think that yeah. the clarity with which the issue was described helped your panic not become self-destructive. And look, I know, I, I've also watched maybe hundreds of your videos, so I, I, I it, it's not just a pat on the back, it's, it's major, you know, many, many pats. I right, mean, right, I, right. I've, I've, I've really, I've really absorbed your material. I mean, it, 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 I, yeah, I thank, I thank you entirely. Well, I thank you. I, I appreciate that. Okay. So, um, what's your relationship like with your parents at the moment? I, I, I sort of, I, well, I, I left home, I should say, or I should also say, I left home, I left my, uh, so I was living with my mother right after I graduated until the age of 27. So uh, that was the last time I saw my mother. Well, and, she's got to be uh, quite the quicksand then if her son is not able to get started in life. I mean, did she help you with it at all? Did she talk to you about it with it all? Did she? Well, she, she's the same woman who, who, who beat me when I, when I got bullied at, uh, in school. So, right, so I don't the, think she has it much. She's not, yeah. she's, not, 
she doesn't have many she doesn't have a lot of parental motherly in, in, in instincts I, my impression that's my impression anyway yeah i mean i don't know obviously what uh, you don't have to tell me what what uh, a subset of east asian you are but it doesn't chinese, sound she's like chinese. i'm sorry ethnic chinese I think Chinese, okay. So it doesn't sound like she's getting all Tiger Mom up in your grill, right? She was, when I was growing up, she was pretty ferocious about, well, she she kept, uh, I think, I, well, yeah, the, the thing, the, the reason why I mentioned my, the fact that I graduated from a top university is because it was a thing that they, they've, they've really pushed, pushed me to get throughout all my childhood so i do so see i was in a pretty feral school i was in i jumped from a pretty one of the worst schools in, in the city to a, one of the best the best school in in, in the city and, and and one of the best schools in the country and it my it was it was because my parents pushed me through pushed me to, to get there and I, I got there from being from being a, a pretty mediocre student to being a, a grammar school student a top a, a student in a top grammar school because they got me a tutor a mathematics tutor uh, around the age of uh, 14, 13. And then I was noticed in, in school, I was noticed in, in secondary school, uh, put, put, in a, put in a class full of uh, exceptional students. And, and that was when I got a real, a real boost in, in confidence and self-esteem. I, I, before then, I, I, thought, I, I think before then, I had really not much of an identity. And then, and, but then when I, when I managed to get get myself put in this class i i, I there was just a, i was a new person i i think for a while i i i, I for those for the three years bef before uh, grammar school i thought i everything i touched turned to gold and i i, I thought i was just a, I was like i was unlike my my parents who were, who were pretty negative and, and demoralized but and, and yes the, but but here's the problem my friend here's the problem the problem is that being good at something is not the same as having an identity i mean before compared to, before, I'm not, not saying I did uh, because I, I I knew that. I, of course, I knew that while when I graduated and I and I thought I'm not as good as maths as I thought I was. I knew that. I, so there was a so when no, I, I get that. I just give you a really vivid example. If you've been following this this uh, Anne Boleyn and uh, Johnny Depp uh, libel case that's going on in the UK at the moment, and you know Johnny Depp basically got swindled out of 650. Oh, it seems he that's what he claims, right? that he got swindled out of $650 million. So he's really good at acting, and he's really good at making money, but he doesn't really seem to have much of an identity. You know, he allows himself to be in this abusive relationship that he claims he claims is abusive, and, you know, she, he claims that she threw a vodka bottle at him and severed his fingertip, and, like, it's just... Then he wrote on the wall how she was uh, sleeping around with someone, and it's just in blood, you know, like this. So he's, he's really good. He's a good actor, right? And he's obviously very good at making money. Um, but he doesn't still doesn't have an identity. Just being good, like Marlon Brando was a great actor, a complete disaster as a human being. I mean, his uh, kids all got involved in various yeah, levels of criminality. I think one of them killed herself, if I remember rightly. I mean, it's just a complete disaster uh, as a as a human being. And so, yeah, just just being good at stuff. Um, you know, Freddie Mercury is a great singer, great songwriter, great entertainer. Um, just lived this empty life of sex and drugs, and so just right. you know having a skill, being good at something, will get you approval. But approval is yeah, usually yeah. the opposite of identity, because yeah. identity is having, in a sense, an outboard motor where you can go whatever the hell you want, whereas approval 
navigating by approval is just like having a sailing ship and you just got to go where the wind blows. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a great point. And that's why it didn't solve your problem, right? Because if, if, you're, right. if you feel an emptiness in your identity because you're being drawn to that which you're praised for and that which you're good at, you're going to have a very ambivalent relationship to success because success has got to be self-destruction in a way. I see. I'm sure. I'm not sure if I made that super clear. Let me just take one more run at that. Um, So if you do things just because you're good at them, you get praised for, you get paid for them, then that's not the same as having an identity and being who you are. And the more you invest in approval, whether it's financial or social or whatever it is, right? It's like all these social justice warriors who are signaling all of this stuff, right? They're just doing it for approval and they cease to exist every time they do it. Like they become a little bit more of a mirage, a little bit more of a fog bank, a little bit more of a cloud every time they do it. And success in this realm, I mean, to go back to Johnny Depp, right? I mean, he is a very eager to please guy because he grew up in a pretty tragic household and, and only got into drugs at a very early age and all that. So he's never really developed an identity of his own, which is why he's able to slip into these other characters so well because he doesn't, exist kind of in, in, in any fundamental way. And so because he's so eager to please others, he's very compelling on the screen, right? Because he's trying to enter he's an entertainer, right? His actors are entertainers, right? So he wants to please us as the audience. We are pleased. We give him the money and the money seals his fate. Right? The money seals his doom. Because if he hadn't been famous, or you know, it's nothing wrong with being famous if you know if if you're if you have integrity and identity and all of that. But at least according to some of the reports coming out of the trial, Amber Heard is by some people considered to be, you know, just this tragic gold digger status climbing guy who puts up with the rather bloated and straggled-haired 50-plus-year-old Johnny Depp because he's, you know, rich and famous and gets her avenues to starring in Aquaman or something like that, right? So if he hadn't been so eager to please, if he hadn't become so successful, he wouldn't have ended up in this horrible, destructive relationship that now seems to have destroyed his fortune and his career. Right? So success is a failure. Uh, um, Marlon Brando got so disgusted. He, he referred to acting as an empty and useless profession, and he got so disgusted with being an actor that he bought an island and retreated off the face of the earth and ate. <laughs> himself into oblivion, right? And he was disgusted by his own success. He was revolted by the industry he was in, and for a variety of reasons he went into in various interviews, which we don't have to talk about here. But a lot of times, a lot of times, you know, what what you succeed in erases you. I mean, this is part of what's underlying the Me Too movement from a couple of years ago, that these women gave up um, sexual access in return for fame and found it was a very bad deal. It was a very bad deal. Amira Savino, who was a very, I guess, a breakout actress in Mighty Aphrodite, who then ended up crossing Harvey Weinstein and he got her blacklisted for like 20 years. Probably saved her life or at least saved her soul, so to speak. So I'm not trying to counsel you don't be successful. I absolutely want you to be successful. But if you're like, I went from non-existence to being good at something, you will... And you you listen to this show, you will have too much wisdom to milk approval at the expense of identity because that leaves you hollowed out as a human being. 
In other words, you may uh, not have failed at all. That's right. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Because if you had succeeded, yeah. you know, well, that would I mean, have sealed my fate. I'll give, I'll give you a personal example, right? I talked earlier about being in acting school and studying acting, and I wrote uh, like 30 plays. And anyway, so um, now if I had succeeded at that, or if I had worked harder at that, what would have happened is I would have become very much dependent upon people's, uh, people liking me, right? You have to like an actor in order for that actor to, to succeed. And it doesn't mean that you, know, they, you can like them in their bad guy roles or they're really good at playing bad guys or something like that, but you have to like an actor. And so as an actor, you have to be dependent upon being liked. And as a philosopher, you have to be dependent uh, or you have to be indifferent to not being liked. So the better, I, if I had succeeded as an actor, I would have failed as a philosopher. And I'm pretty sure the world needs more philosophy and not another person who speaks lines well. So if I had succeeded at what I wanted to succeed at originally, I would have failed not just myself, but I think the world as a whole. That, that was part of my, I think that was part of my worry when you, you mentioned in the live stream, um, uh, about uh, procrastination and uh, being uh, susceptible to being motivated by bullying, self-bullying, and then and then getting successful, and then becoming more more uh, susceptible to being manipulate, mani manipulated. Um, right. And, that's, and that, that was that was part of the that was something that, that, that I think that was part of the panic um, of of not not wanting to go ahead in case I be I do I do go ahead and become successful and then. And then end up in in, in my forties and being being maybe in a worse state, maybe having my my wealth lost and then my my career gone and being hollowed well, out. Or you become successful way. and maybe some woman targets you for that success, and you yeah. end up in a bad relationship. You end up yeah. divorced and dragged through the court system. I mean, who knows, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah, success absolutely. is becoming increasingly complicated in a postmodern world. Yeah, it's a huge point you make. Yeah. So I, I would certainly go easy on yourself and say, because you were badly raised and society gives you bad cues a lot of times, I would not, at the age of 30, be too hard on myself and say, I've absolutely wasted seven years or six years or whatever it is, right? Because there's no guarantee that if you had pursued the kind of success that you wanted, that it might not have turned out much worse. At least now you have a blank slate to start with, as opposed to an accumulation of errors that you need to detach from. That's a great point. Yeah, that's a great point. So I'd certainly be yeah, easy with myself about that. Why did you want to become a, a, um, a math prof? I think, I think you nailed it when you said, I, I prefer the abstract to uh, away from people and away from the market. Um, and I really, I did really, well, at least I thought I, 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 I really enjoyed maths. Yes, but do you enjoy teaching? I, I think I, I enjoy re reciting my knowledge. Yeah, reciting your knowledge is not the same as teaching. Yeah, because, sure, you, you yeah. know, you, you, um, yeah. you talked a lot about That's wanting to become a math prof but you never talked about any pleasure in teaching or wanting to inspire other yeah. people to love math or anything like that. It seemed kind of like just about you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think, I think I, um, I had a preference for just submitting papers and, and maybe contributing to the field, but not, not the actual people. And 
I I imagine myself as being one of those eccentric eccentric um, sort of isolated uh, hermits, hermit intellectuals. Yeah, that's not a math prof though, right? It's math yeah, prof has to sure, interact with sure. people. It's got to be part of yeah. department meetings, yeah. committee meetings. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be on the diversity panel, sure. and yeah. uh, it's going to have to interact with students a lot. And you know, it's a lot of face-to-face time, right? I mean, science, sure, yeah, pure yeah, science, yeah, yeah. you can hide at in the lab more, but uh, maths, I think you got to be out there. And your love of maths doesn't seem to be something that you want to inspire other people. Like, I love philosophy, and I love inspiring people to pursue philosophy, and, and that's sort of why I do what I do. But yeah. that didn't seem to be part of the math prof thing, so I think the math, math, the math prof thing was largely an illusion. Yeah, I think you... <laughs> I think you you nailed it. I think you yeah yeah. And it would have been a very bad sure. illusion too, because you then would have invested a huge amount of time, money, and energy into getting a doctorate and trying to become a math prof, and then you find out you don't even like it. It's better to do nothing than do the wrong thing. Yeah. Right. That's why okay, they say yeah. you get yeah, lost yeah, in the yeah, woods. Yeah, you yeah, just sit yeah, and yeah. stay where you are, man. Just don't wander off somewhere. Yeah. Well, no. I I one one thing one thing I've I've been repeating myself is. Uh, I, I, I suppose this isn't the same thing. Uh, the, the, one thing I've been repeating myself, repeating to myself is, uh, no, no, it's not, it's not the same thing. Never mind. It's it's all right. Right. So I guess the question is, can you at least think of forgiving yourself for waiting until you have some idea what you genuinely want to do before committing to it? I don't. I um. Not completely. I. Well, I know it's a, big, it's a big thing to say in one, but that's why I yeah. said, can you think about that process, right? I mean, can you snap your fingers? Because you have a pretty harsh view of yourself for the last seven years, right? Yeah. And it could be that you're, I mean, geez, I didn't start this show till I was in my 40s. Late 30s, late 30s, right? There's lots of people who achieve a lot of success later in life. Grandma Moses didn't start painting until she was 80. I don't know, something like that, right? There's lots of people who succeed later in life. There's nothing wrong with that. And lots of people way older than 30. I mean, I think Huey Lewis didn't really get his first big hit going until he was well into his 30s. Okay. So it's certainly not um, too late. It's certainly possible. But the one thing you have to do to succeed is you, you can't go from inaction to frenzy. Oh. Right, so if you let panic drive you, it's going to drive you into the ground. It's sort of like if you haven't exercised for a while and you say, that's it, I'm going to go run a marathon, all you're going to do is hurt yourself. Right, so if you stop panicking, I've got to do X or Y and throw myself at it and the alternative is doom, well, that's not organic. That's not based on pleasure. That's not based upon a richness of experience, it's not going to be sustainable and you're just going to burn yourself out and just add another year and waste another year or two. Yeah, I burnt myself out, I think, in university. Yes, yes. Yeah. And that's because it wasn't love that was driving you. Yeah. It was... You're right. It was status and it was also avoidance and it was uh, yeah. maybe a bit of an F you to be better than your parents. Could be any number of things, right? But it wasn't could be, the could love be all, of, could be all. Yeah, it wasn't the love of the thing, the thing itself. Sure. Right? And that's like, you know, I mean, everybody knows this and I've done it. And, you know, everybody knows someone who's done this has dated the girl just because she's pretty. I mean, you've yeah. heard you've heard these calls a million times, right? Yeah. She was crazy. Yeah. Why did you date her? She was pretty. <laughs> right. So, I mean, that's an example of going for 
approval or status rather than the virtue of the person or the thing itself, right? Yeah. So what you have to figure out is what do you love? You can't build a life on what you fear. I mean, you can, but it's going to fall down, right? So you can't try and build That's a life a on, I'm panicking, it's too late, i got to act, right? Now, you don't have to answer this. Obviously, uh, it may not be at the tip of your tongue, right? But there's something that you love. Maybe it's philosophy. Maybe it's self-knowledge. Maybe it's, uh, I mean, who knows what, right? Maybe it does turn out to be teaching. I don't know. But there's something I that mean, you love. I have been juggling a quite, well, I think part of my, part of my um, inertia is due to the fact that I, I guess I have so many, I, I think I think to myself that there are so many maybe possible areas I could I could uh, delve into, but I can't I can't I, I, I can't seem to settle my mind on on one thing. Right, right. And that may be because you're burdened with an over responsibility for a childhood and a youth that you just had to survive. I mean, if, if you were listening to a caller who called in with your history of violence and drunken parents and abuse and, and danger and all of that, and in being in a terrifying, violent school, would you, I mean, what level of sympathy would you have for such a person? Quite, quite, quite deep, quite a significant deep sympathy. And do you have that for yourself, my friend? Not enough. No, um, not enough. All right, 10, 10 being maximum sympathy, where are you on a 1 to 10? Hey, let's give you some math. <laughs> it's probably about around 7. I don't know that I agree with you, which doesn't mean anything because it's your life, right? I think your instincts are right. Hey. Yeah, I'd put you at a 2 or 3. I see, well, that that's that that's uh, that well that's surprising to me, but I think you I think you maybe because I'm I'm not accessing something. Well, so Sorry. you've you've told me some of the adversities that you had in life, but you haven't cut yourself any slack for it. Yeah. You haven't given yourself a break for it. Now, giving yourself a break doesn't mean that you excuse everything you do forever or whatever it is, right? But, you know, if you'd been in some terrible car accident and it took you three years to learn how to walk again, I assume that you'd have sympathy for yourself for not walking much for three years, right? I'm, ask, I'm actually asking myself whether I would. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, I'm, you would, right? Well, no, no. I'm, I'm actually asking myself whether oh, yeah, I would. Whether I'm, you I'm would not... or whether you'd be like, yeah, I should have yeah. done this sooner. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think yeah, that's it. I think I'm... Maybe I don't know how to have that additional uh, sympathy for well, the, the right amount of sympathy of sympathy for myself. That's key. Yeah, it's really, really important because if you don't have sympathy, if you've gone through difficulties, extreme difficulties as you have, if you don't have sympathy, like for every scoop of sympathy you take out, you replace with a giant flaming scoop of blame. And sympathy or blame, that's, that's all we got when we have difficult childhoods. We have sympathy or we have blame. There's nothing else. We can either sympathize with ourselves or we blame ourselves. I've heard some causality from you about the difficulties you faced as a child, but I've not heard any 
um, sympathy for yourself or compassion for yourself? I think one thing that I worry more about than uh, pursuing a good career is one of the things, but I think, and it, it, one of the main things, but one of the, maybe an even bigger one is, is that, uh, well, the clock is taken for me in, uh, in the formation of connections and relationships. But I've, I've, been, I've been avoiding people for so long, I guess, because of my, because of how, how much I want to hide in the abstract. Well, no, I, I get that. I get that. But if you have sympathy for yourself, you won't need to hide in the abstract. Right. Right. Because I feel shame. Right. I mean, how on earth are you supposed to date or have friends if you're full of shame? Yeah. Yeah. It's like inviting someone you care about to come on a boat with you that's surely going to sink. Whereas you say, I had it rough. I have great sympathy for myself. I trot water because society is so bad with us. And it is terrible. I mean, the, what society defines as success is just terrible. And you say, yeah, I... Um, I didn't know where to go, and I had the wisdom to not go anywhere. And the sum total of all of this, and you're still a relatively young man at the age of 30, the sum total of all of this is that I learned how to have genuine compassion for myself so that when I do find friends and a wife, it will be permanent. It will be without repetition of trauma. You were a smart guy in a violent school, in a toxic culture, in a dysfunctional country, with alcoholic, violent, and abusive parents. You tell me. You put it that, really well. No, but you tell me where that doesn't get you a big, giant space hug from the universe, man. Yeah, but you put it really well. You, that, that's yeah. You, you have a really strong, strong. You make a really strong case that. Hey, I'm just echoing back, man. I'm just yeah. repeating what you said to yeah. me. Well, I, it's still, you know, just, just hearing it, it's, you're right. So, yeah, have some compassion with yourself. You got a degree. Man, good job. Good job. You didn't pursue academia. Can you imagine? I mean, you, you crazy son of a bitch. If you're listening to this kind of show. <laughs> no, no, but that was before. I mean, this, no, this no, no, but let, let's, oh, say, yeah. let's say you, you tripped across this kind of show, right? And you then start to learn some of the unspeakable truths about the world, right? And you're in university. Oh, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, How's yeah, that yeah. going to play out? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just go off Stephen Sue, right? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That would be torture. And a much worse torture than what you're facing now. Is it? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. If you're in a situation where you want to be honorable and honest and have integrity and getting, like, speaking the truth is going to cause your professional or financial destruction, that's a nightmare. It's a complete nightmare. But I would imagine, well, I, he, at least he has something to lose, but I... And he's built something, and, and he has people. No, I get that. I'm not saying it's a direct analogy. 
Uh, yeah, sure. But it's not an easy transition. Sure, yeah. Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I suppose if, if if I were in his shoes, I'd be in my 40s and, and then I'd just be, I guess I'd have a different kind of issue. It's a challenge. It's a challenge. Yeah, yeah. It's a challenge. So I would just say, you know, have some compassion for yourself because if you have compassion for yourself, then you won't have things to hide from others. And if you don't have things to hide from others, you don't need to be lost in abstract land. Okay. But the compassion is key. We are extraordinarily badly raised collectively these days. It's really bad out there. Almost every social, intellectual media cue is the exact opposite of what it should be. Not to mention the significant challenges of being a smart person in a sometimes increasingly dumbed down world. It's dangerous. And if you can get that compassion, then you can forgive yourself. Not that I think you have much to forgive yourself for. And then your energies can be opened up. But you can't, you can't, I mean, you can't love anything in the world if you have a kind of contempt for yourself. And the only way to combat that contempt is with kindness, right? with compassion for the self. Yeah. And don't rush. Recognize that you've hit a turning point in your life, but don't dash in some new direction. Is it work, work on... See, we, we want to work on the effects, but the only way to work on the effects is to work on the cause, right? Like we look down, we see, oh, I've got a belly roll in my belly or whatever it is, right? Or, or something like that. And then we're like, uh, we get mad at the effects, right? And it's okay, well, what do you got to do? Well, just eat less and exercise more, right? That's all you got to do. And... You now want to fix the effects, and I'm saying go to the root of the issue, go to the cause, which is that you were trained to have a lack of compassion for yourself. And if you can replace that lack of compassion with genuine self-regard and admiration for what you've been able to achieve, and these days, getting to 30 without any disastrous is pretty good. <laughs> pretty good. <laughs> It is. It is. You're not, you know, you didn't fall off some statue in Portland, Oregon and break your neck. <laughs> so good job, man. You know, it's like, it's like if you've gotten through, you know, the first two years of the Second World War without a scratch, do you call yourself a failure? I don't think so. Still got all my limbs. Still got all my fingers. Got both eyeballs. Pretty good. Yeah, yeah. And so you can look at, you know, how um, I think it was Jordan Peterson when he was addicted to, I think it was benzodiazepines or something like that. Yeah. And to, to get him cured, they put him in a coma. Seems kind of radical, but what do I know? I'm not a doctor, right? So maybe, in a sense, to prevent bad decisions, you put yourself in a 
situation of stasis, like you put yourself into a coma, and you're emerging from that coma with the wisdom to make good decisions without having to drag around the bad decisions. I mean, the number of people I know, uh, a little bit older than you, who've, well, you've heard them on this show a million times, right? Just, they've got bad decisions, and they just have to try and find a way to live with it. And you don't have those bad decisions, man. That's great. Yeah, okay. You, you start from a blank slate. You start without some addiction. You start without some bad marriage, some kids, some difficult ex, some whatever, right? And just to re- revisit um, my decision in making... Um, the, the decision I made to to do maths in university that that would be that wouldn't be because it's uh, because I avoided in 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 uh, in not succeed in not succeeding in, in a sense it, I I've sort of I I have succeeded because I I've not sealed my fate in, in the same way that say Johnny Depp or or uh, Marlon Brando did. Yeah. So if you had thrown yourself whole hog into gaining approval by becoming excellent at maths then you might have become more prominent, you might have become a math professor, you might have done any number of things, or maybe you'd have been snatched up by some finance company and and sold your soul for money or whatever it was, right? Yeah, yeah. And so the fact that you avoided that, to fail at something that might have destroyed you is not a failure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I failed to jump out of that plane <laughs> when it was flying over the city. I don't think that's a failure. My whole life, I failed to get addicted to heroin. It's terrible. <laughs> totally messed that up, man. Can't, can't, can't seem to get my ducks in a row. Can't seem to get my horse in a row. I've just completely failed. I've never become, I've, I've never made it to alcoholism. You've completely failed at becoming an alcoholic, too. I just wanted to mention that as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Despite yeah. two and parents who were also- alcoholics, right? Yeah, yeah, and and I and I was uh, I was I was fapping for for uh, so I, I was a shutting when I was when when that crisis was was going on in university, and uh, I I just uh, I guess I, I I fed myself on 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 porn and and fapping. Right, and right, I did it right. For years, right. but I, I'm now I'm now four years. I'm on my fourth year of, of no fap, and uh, you've even failed I'm at also, that. Yep, yep. Sorry. You've even failed at that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at the one giant arm scenario. After, after, after 12 years of dedication. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So listen, I, I would take heart. I would take comfort. I would take compassion. And uh, I would say, okay, the world is my oyster. I can go anywhere, do anything, and keep casting about. And I'm absolutely positive inspiration will strike you at some point. And it will then become clear and your life will move in the way you want it to. But you got to get the compassion first. So what if, what if I, what about my, my thoughts about how it's a little, maybe a little too late to, to start on something and thoughts like that, you know, that it's, um, and quite late in the game and, um, what do I do with, what do I do with uh, somewhat negative thoughts like that? Well, I mean, when you have negative thoughts, it's the usual solution is reason and evidence. So reason yeah. is, well, no, of course you're not too late, right? I mean, you're going to live to 85 or whatever, so you still got more than a half a century to go, so that's going to be fine, right? you got you got time. I mean, you're already way beyond the average lifespan of people in the Middle Ages, right? 
Okay, okay, yeah. Sure. Still a long way to go. You can look up all the people who achieved success later in life, and there are hundreds of thousands of them that you can find. Um, you can find those stories. So that's you've got your reason, you've got your evidence, right? Okay. And it, when you've been raised really badly, spending the first seven years avoiding disaster is a pretty good track record. And also, to the voice that says to you it's too late, what I would say is, hey man, if you didn't, if you didn't make me panic earlier, you don't get to boss me now. Oh. Right? Like, this is just a form of self-abuse, right? Oh, it's too late! It's like, where, where were you three years ago, four years ago, five years ago? If you weren't saying anything, then shut the hell up now. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You know, that emotional instinct. Oh, it's too late. It's like, if you genuinely believe that, oh, voice that says it's too late, then you would have said something earlier. So you don't genuinely believe that. That's just fear. And the funny thing is, is that the it's too late is going to cause either A, more paralysis, or B, another disaster. So thanks, but that's not helping at all. You're right. I mean, it's a silly joke that I occasionally have with my daughter. She'll she'll pass me a banana or she'll pass me something. I'll drop it. And then I'll say, I really think we should be more careful when we pass things to each other. Because that's after the fact, right? <laughs> What's the point of saying <laughs> that after the fact? It's kind of a joke, right? Not, not a yeah, great yeah, joke, yeah, but yeah. you know, um, yeah. and I'm sure it's a joke. She's tired of by now, but the, after 2020 hindsight is, is completely useless and it's just a form of, of self abuse, right? I mean, if, if that voice wasn't helping you in the past, that it doesn't have the right to boss you around now. So it should have arisen when I was 23, really. Yeah, of course. Yeah, like, uh, where's, where's all uh, this good advice of the panic voice back when, you know, in the past, right? So, because um, uh, the panic voice, if, it, if it's trying to freak you out now, it's part of the problem, right? Yeah. And it has no credibility. You just, you, you treat your inner voices just like you treat a person, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Okay. You know, credibility is key, right? Back on the days of Twitter, right? people would say, you know, you're bad at growing a social media presence. And then they look at them, they have six followers after 10 years. It's like, I know it's not an argument, but you don't have any credibility. And so if, if there's a part of you that's panicking and it's like, well, where were you five years ago or seven years ago? You don't have any credibility, right? That stuff is really funny. Right. Right. But, you know, don't be hostile. The voice is, you know, it's part of you and you can't, you know, you can't just rip out parts of you or whatever, right? But... Um, but yeah, don't let it boss you. That's no good, right? Because then you'll end up just acting out of conformity to that bullying voice, which only gives the bullying voice more strength. And, you know, then you'll trail it back to your parents and then you'll just realize you never get to grow up. And that's no good, right? Everybody in the personality gets a seat at the table, but nobody gets to be the boss, right? Anarchy exists. Voluntarism exists in the personality before it can exist in society, right? So the parts of yeah. me, yeah, I'm happy to take advice. Let's all sit at the table and let's figure out uh, the right way forward, but uh, nobody gets to pound the table and terrify or bully or whine or complain anybody else into sub subjugation. It's a negotiation, right? And it's the same thing. I, I think it should be that way with you as well. Well, I, I've been journaling, journaling for a long time, and I, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, if I if I just keep journaling, then I could be maybe about 35, and then. Would, would would I not freak out more? I don't know. Like, I guess. I mean, for me, for me, the journaling was very much engaging in very strong debates with uh, aspects of myself. 
you know, challenging and, and incorporating and, and all of that. So journaling, you know, this is what I think, this is what I feel. I think it's important, but you know, what I would do is, is, uh, have that written for me, it was written, uh, could be any number of ways, have that discussion. So, you know, you say, scared part of me says it's too late. And then you just, you say, well, here's what you say. And what does that scared part say? And you just engage in that conversation. I think it's, generally good to write it down because otherwise it just kind of floats around in your head and you get distracted. But you oh, yeah, get yeah. involved in those uh, platonic debates with the parts of yeah. yourself. They usually have really helpful things to say, but you've got to get through some static first. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I have many, I have a, quite quite a fair few notebooks full of my writing. Um, oh, that's good. So you yeah, have that yeah. way of, of doing it and that's a, it's a good way to go. Yeah. All right, listen, I, I can sort of feel my, my own inspiration here beginning to fade and and i just wanted to and i there's nothing to do with you nothing so you, you're you breaking up oh can you hear me oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. okay I, I was just saying that i could feel my own capacity to inspire beginning to to fade away it's nothing to do with you nothing to do with you at all i just uh i've been sitting sure. down for a while and normally i'm walking i did walk for the first little bit and so uh, i'm going to close things down here but i hope that you will uh, keep me well first of all thank you so much for the email and for the openness Thank you so much for and the honesty in the conversation. And I hope that you will keep me posted about, about how things are going. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, thanks, thanks man. I really, really appreciate it. And you should, I think, be proud of what you're doing. And I no doubt you will do great things with your life. But yeah, self-compassion, don't rush. Listen to yourself and uh, be proud of what you haven't achieved, which probably would have been negative. So thanks so much for the call. I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank Bye. you so, so much. Bye-bye.